Okay, guys, um, let me tell you kind of what, what, I'm, what I'm up to tonight. Um, I have one more um, lesson out of Romans 14, uh, and we're going to do that next week uh, in between the, uh, the vote and the tabulation of the vote, and, and we'll, we'll wrap up Romans 14 next week. But um, this time next week, we'll, we'll have a congregational meeting. I think most of you know that. Um, we have a congregational meeting, usually one time a year, and it's usually this first Wednesday in December, because we have uh, a certain kind of government here at Gracie Van that has a rotating eldership, which means we have vacancies every year, and so you nominate uh, in October, and um, uh, then we have this congregational meeting, at which time the list of nominees, from uh, four people are chosen from that list of nominees. Now, you, you nominated... Uh, there are five nominees, and so uh, as, as I wish there were more, but that's what you nominated was five. So you'll elect four of those um, next week. So um, usually every fall, I try to spend at least a little bit of time talking to you about the, the very unspiritual um, issue of church government. Uh, people think that church government is just, you mean there's politics in the church? Well, guys, it, it really depends on what you mean by politics. Um, if you mean the, the um, backroom deals and the, uh, and the position shifting and arm twisting and money bribery stuff um, that you see in national and state local politics, no, there's none of that that goes on in this place. But is there, is there government? Yes, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, um, and it's, not what you would, it's not what you would call an unspiritual issue. It's not unspiritual because the Old and New Testament addresses it. Um, it, was, it was very important in the, in the mind of the Apostle Paul that a certain government be put in place when he went around the countryside and planted all these churches. He left behind certain structures by which the, the, um, the, the people of God were to function in an orderly manner. And, and so I, I want to cover some of that stuff tonight, but before I do, I, I, I simply want to say this, guys. You may think that this is um, a throwaway, um, a, uh, well, we got to do this because the congregational meeting is coming up. I guess we got to... Ladies and gentlemen, um, Satan knows... I guess that we are all so self-orbiting and, and fallen that if you will think about it just for a minute, you will, you will agree, I think, that the thing that he uses the most frequently to cause disruption and discord among the people of God is how the place is governed. Now, I, I, I hope this, I've made reference to this before, but if you know anything about the disruption that occurred about five years ago at Germantown Baptist, you will know that it was over primarily the governance of the church. And you saw what kind of heartache um, took place in that whole situation, guys. There's, there's very few things that Satan uses more frequently than he does. Um, oh, the operation of the, the, the church's government. And so, guys, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes tonight. And hopefully, in preparation um, 
for next week's congregational meeting. I, I normally, and, and most falls, do this over a three Wednesday night set, and I thought, well, I won't do that to them again, but I did want to spend at least a brief time with you going over some things that, that are important, and maybe, maybe not elsewhere, but they're important here, because this is how, ladies and gentlemen, you know, guys, um, if you trust your leadership, things are going to be fine. If you do not, then you might as well just, you know, fold, you might as well clean out the place and get new leadership. Because if you can't sit out there and trust, number one, what you're hearing from the pulpit, and number two, how the place is being led, and number three, how the money is being spent, and that kind of thing, then, uh, you know, there's just real potential for discord, big discord, as we saw in the very unpleasant and unseemly uh, situation that erupted at, at Germantown Baptist. So we, we, um, we're going to talk about it just briefly. I'm going to run through some of this uh, very hurriedly, but there's one issue that I want to take my time on and slow down on and, and, and explain to you because it's, I, I bet you it's unique. It's not unique, uh, it, it's, it's not unique at Grace Evan, but I, I dare say that many of you have never, unless you heard me discuss it last year, you've never heard of this kind of approach to things, and, and I hope uh, it'll be um, illustrative for you. Gang, in the Christian church, there are three approaches to church government. Um, there's only three kinds of government. One's called a, um, how about that? Uh, hierarchical. Um, I mean, if you've ever been in the Methodist church, they have a hierarchy, or, a, or a, it's called a bishopric uh, form of church government. If you've ever been in a Methodist church, you know that the, the, uh, the superintendent uh, moves the, pa- the preacher around, uh, you know, whenever he gets ready to. Well, that's called a hierarchy. It's a top-down uh, form of church government. The, other, uh, the second form is a congregational. If you've ever been in a Baptist church, you know what a, a congregational form of church government is. That's a form of government. I've said this before. I stick by it. I'll say it again. I think this is the least biblical of all of the approaches to church government. The third um, uh, church government is, um, I hate to do this to you, but um, it comes from this word, um, presbyteros. That's a Greek word from which you get the word presbyterian. It is a word that means elder, and it is called a, a form of church government, a Presbyterian form of church government. People uh, uh, say to me, well, tell me this, uh, Jimmy, uh, are you Presbyterian? Well, what do you mean by that? Uh, in my theological position is that I'm Reformed. I'm a Reformed theologian. That's my theological system. But if you want to know the, the approach to government... Yeah, and that's the word. It's Presbyterian. It doesn't refer to one's theology. The word Presbyterian refers to one's form of government because the, it comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder. And this is an el- the Presbyterian form of government is an elder form or approach to church government. It is a government by elders. And that's what you have here at Gracie Van, a government by elders. Now, at this point, I, I normally take you to Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3 and show you um, those two passages that talk about the qualifications for elders. Remember all those things that are listed in, in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3? 
<clears throat> things that I hope that you've been considering over the past uh, six weeks or so about who you're going to elect. Oh, no, I don't like him because, uh, you know, uh, he wears running shoes to church on Wednesday night. I'm not voting for him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're not thinking like that. I hope you are, right, from uh, Titus 1 and, and trying to measure these men by these standards. Because these are the ones that are left behind under the inspiration of God's Spirit to help you and in, to, to lead you in terms of who become your leaders, all right? Now, there is one thing, there's a distinction that I, I, that I bet you many of you have never heard, and I want you to see it. So if you will go with me to 1 Timothy 5, uh, I want to show you something, because this is vital to what goes on here at Grace Evan. This is how things work here. Uh, now, there's several other places that we could go to talk about how Paul is uh, um, shaping church governments, et cetera, et cetera. But this, is, this one is a, is a critical one. It's 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Okay? Now, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, gang... From that text, there have, there's a lot of us, I being one of them, that draw from that text a distinction in eldership. Um, there is a group of elders. At Gracie Van, there are 12. Now, where did that number 12 come from? I don't know. We just chose it. You know. Uh, uh, now, there's nothing sanctimonious about the number. We have 12 elders here at Gracie Van. 12. Um, Actually, let me make the distinction. Is that 12? Uh, yeah. Um, we have 12 ruling elders at Grace. Look at the text. Let the elders who rule well. There is a distinction between what is known as a ruling elder. Keep reading. Uh, double line, Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. A distinction drawn between a ruling elder and a teaching elder. Now, on this body, which is called the session, there are 12 men who rule. Very frankly, you don't like that. Nobody wants to be ruled anymore, you know. We've got, we, we got this American streak in us that we, we don't like to... Submit to anything. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the New Testament calls you to yield and submit. Hebrews chapter 13, yield to elders who rule. They conduct ruling things. But out of that, that body, there's another guy. He's weird. He's very weird. But he sits among this body, but is distinct from that body. Um, there are 12 ruling elders, but there is one guy who is among this crowd that has been assigned um, a, a responsibility of preaching and teaching. He is called a teaching elder. So, out of this body, one of their number is set aside to do this. But the ruling is taking place with these men that you put in position, that you nominated and you elected. Gang, 
The only ascendancy that exists in this body is an ascendancy uh, that occurs as as a result of handling the Scriptures. Do you understand what I just said? This is a group of equals. The only thing that makes this guy distinct, as, as the text says, who labors in preaching and teaching. That's what makes him different. Nothing else. There is no better quality. Uh, you know, he's not... Uh, it, it's just that he has a function that differs from these guys. But there is the distinction to be maintained in your mind between a teaching elder and a ruling elder. And that distinction, we believe, grows right out of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the teaching elder. I'm not a ruling elder. But I sit among this, this body and can but normally do not, vote on items. Very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I contribute to the conversations. But my responsibility is different than these guys. These guys are to rule. Now, gang, do you know what that means? What that means is, in terms of decisions that are made that affect you, these 12 men are doing that. That's why, for instance... You will never, ever, as a congregation, be asked to consider, look into, examine, scrutinize a church budget. That's just not your business. It's theirs. That will never come to you for approval. Now, if you're in a congregational church, you know, they've got to submit the budget. No. Um, that doesn't happen here, ladies and gentlemen, because ruling means that decisions are made in terms of supervision, direction. There is a um, the whole idea of um, uh, making sure that the pulpit is protected, that, that, that the information that's coming out of there is, uh, is, is true. That's all the responsibility of ruling elders. And next Wednesday night, you're about to choose those guys. You're about to put in place people who are supposed to... Now, by the way, keep your finger there and go over, if you can find real quick, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Because this is a text addressed to you. Um... Verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17. This is addressed to the people of God, and they are told, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that your, what your responsibility is in light of the men that you put in office? That. That. You know, and I say from the pulpit, I say it somewhat, you know, jokingly, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, if you don't come and vote, you have no right to ever complain. 
But from the depths of my soul, I believe that, and I mean that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not, this is not a church-wide beauty pageant. It's the selection of men to whom you are willing to give that. Now, once you elect them, then your responsibility is to give them that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you choose not to do so, then you've got a whole nother opponent that you've got to deal with. Because you're in rebellion before God. Because this is the way things have, are set up. That there is this body of men called elders, apparently in the mind of the Apostle Paul, according to 1 Timothy 5.17, there was a distinction between ruling and teaching elders. And that's what we have here. Now gang, um, I know that we, if you went through the new members class here at Grace Evan, you've heard all this. But let me mention this to you. Um, because these men run this church. But there are decisions that they do not have the right to make. Only you have the right to make these three decisions. These are congregational decisions. The first one is the calling of a senior pastor. Now, I always say this, adding this somewhat, I want you to know that this congregation has demonstrated incredible wisdom in their decision over this item. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My wife just said amen. Um, it, but that's your, you know, when I die, you know, and, and, and my feet absolutely put me in the grave, mm-hmm, um, you're going to have to do this again. You're going to you're gonna have to find a senior pastor, and that will come. Um, actually, we haven't even figured it out yet, uh, but, but the final say will be yours. Uh, that's a congregational decision. The second one is buying and selling real properties. That's a congregational decision. If we ever build another building or buy more land, God forbid. Um, I mean, if you ever build another building, you'll, just, you'll have to do this first. And then you can do this. Because uh, I, I can't go through that again. Um, uh, but the buying and selling of real properties. Nothing can be bought or sold without your approval, permission, uh, however you want to say it. That's a congregational decision. And the third is the, uh, is the election of elders. You elect the men who lead you. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this congregation doesn't take that very seriously. It really doesn't. I mean, um, we, we fight to get a quorum here on Wednesday nights of a congregational election. Uh, which I think, I forget, Brent, is it 20% or 25% of the, of the membership? Um, we fight to get a quorum here. You know, you would think that this is really, but let me tell you, um, that 70% that's not voting, don't write me about the direction that you think the church is going, that you don't like it. Don't write me. Because, ladies and gentlemen, here is the chance to, for you to say, okay, I am going to influence the direction by um, putting in new leadership. That's, that, is a, that is a congregational vote 
that you must make. Now, um, guys, uh, this is really rather heavy-handed of me, but um, just, just cut me a bit of slack. Gang, do you know these men? Do you know the five nominees? I mean, if I were to say, um, if I were to give you the name of, <laughs> would you know him? If not, you are failing. Because if you're voting for people that you don't even know, uh, gang, there's, there's, I've said this on a couple of occasions. I believe a church is just as good as its male leadership. Um, And the church is just as good as the male leadership that you put in the office of elder in this church. And we don't take that seriously. We don't take it seriously, guys. I'm telling you, there are issues that these these guys face every month that are tricky, that are difficult, that are naughty, that are, and very frankly, for this church, we've never faced this before. You know, we're, we're still a young, a very young church. I mean, you've had one pastor here, one. Still a young outfit, and well, we don't know how to do that. Well, we've never had to do that before. And so they're plowing through it. Well, you better put some, you better put some, I had a, I had a friend of mine in seminary, I've got to hurry, a um, friend of mine in seminary who, um, who uh, graduated with me, he went to a small church in Mississippi, and I ran into him one time at a, at a meeting, and um, he had seven elders. It was a little small church in Itabina, Mississippi. I'm, I'm not, I made that up. But it's in some small place in Mississippi. And um, he said, Jimmy, of my seven elders, the only two that I think are Christians are two. And, and of those two, any kind of theological prowess, there is none. Now, whose fault is that? Well, that would be um, yours. (laughs) Because that's your responsibility, to nominate and elect. Hey, we can take it over for you if you want. It would be ugly. And and the one place where I think we take pleasure here at Grace of Man, that God the Holy Spirit dominates us, is in this process. Because we do not tamper with it. Not in an iota. Um, I mean, you know, guys, if you've been in churches very long, here's what normally happens. The elders put together a list of candidates, uh, a list of uh, approved candidates, and then deliver it to you and say, choose the ones off this list here you like. We don't do that here. You do it all. And very frankly, that can be pretty dangerous, turning that responsibility over to you. But actually, we're not. We're turning it over to God the Holy Spirit, who dwells in you. And it's huge, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let me do one other quick thing. And, and, but just to tell you or encourage you um, to be a part. By the way, if you're not a member here at Grace of Man, I would love for you to come next Wednesday. Because it, have you ever been to a church business meeting? You'd love ours. Ours are peaceful. I mean, we, you know, we have a good time. 
Have you ever been to one that was not a good time? Whoa. Nobody should have to taste that. Come and just, just check it out. But now, guys, one other quick thing. And this is, I, I, I think you understand this. But if you, if you haven't gotten this, this is a part of the uniqueness of the way we operate here. Years ago, I, I, I said this, and I've been saying it, and I've continued to say it. It comes out of a, a text in Nehemiah. It's either 4.6 or 6.4. I don't know if you can... But Nehemiah, as you may know, was a cupbearer for the king. He was real sad one day, and the king said, what are you so sad about? He said, well, the wall around Jerusalem is broken down, and my people are suffering. He said, well, go back and fix it. So Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem and builds the wall. And they build it up to half its height in 52 days. And the text says, because the people had a mind to work. And so what I've said over the years is, okay... We have, a, we have a wall here at Gracie Van, and we have reduced the ministry to the four lowest common denominators of a church. There is worship, there is administration, there is discipleship, and there is evangelism, or Wade. Worship, administration, discipleship, and evangelism. And so what we say to you is, having discovered whatever it is, the gift that God has given to you, because you got them, I promise you, you do, because the New Testament says you do. You have spiritual gifts. And so what we say is, knowing what those spiritual gifts are, find yourself a place on the wall and get to work. Now, but this group of people right here, these elders, we divide them up over these four what we call zones. These worship zone, administration zone, discipleship zone, evangelism zone. We take these 12 guys... And we distribute them over these zones. They're like committees. And so um, uh, the worship zone gets together every week. There are two elders on the worship zone. And so everything that Jimmy Umloff is planning or doing or things that they want to do with them there, yada, 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 is is developed or is approved at the worship zone. (coughs) Gang, the elders here run this church. The decisions are made down here. Now, on occasion, there may be some big decision that we're thinking, oh, that we better, we better get everybody in on that one. And so they'll say, we'll bring that one to, the, to the, the, the bigger meeting. But the discipleship zone, the discipleship zone has the youth ministry, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, um, the children's ministry, the grace group ministry. And you don't care who runs that? Sure you do. So, elect good men in here. And so I forget how many of them. There's four of them or five of them because this is a huge responsibility. We'll say five of them are, um, are the, what we call the D-Zone. The D-Zone meets twice a month and they go over all these matters that affect the discipleship ministry of this church. The E-Zone. Guys, by the way, I think I told you at the new members class. Um, no, not the new members class. At the missions conference. I told you at the missions conference that your church just spent $35,000 buying a sonogram machine for that pregnancy center. Oh, no, it's not the pregnancy. It's a, it's a health center to help these girls make decisions about abortion. You remember, $35,000. Do you know that you just spent, as a church, your church just sent $102,000 to third mill um, 
to produce the Apostles' Creed that is going to be beamed onto satellites um, and broadcast into the 1040 window into the largest Muslim population on the, the face of the planet. And you just paid for the development of that whole course, that whole thing that's going to get beamed around the world, you paid for. And those decisions are made at the E-Zone. Doesn't that just thrill you? Doesn't that make you happy that, that some people are... Um, actually, I just misled you, actually. There's a, the E-Zone governs what's called a grace venture strategy, and they report to them. And that decision was really made down here. But guys, the government of this church is, is managed by 12 men that you put in office once a year and all the decisions of the church government are made by those men. It seems to me that that's, um, that's, that's of vital importance in terms of um, the direction of this church. Ladies and gentlemen, um, there is a plurality of eldership Elders run this place. This is not a benevolent dictatorship. Um, I would love to list for you the number of items that I have said, this is what we need to do, and they have said no. But it would probably be embarrassing for me. So, um, but, but the point is, I'm simply telling you that the elders that you elect run this church. And um, I think they do a bang-up job. But... <clears throat> Um, you put a legalist into the session? You want to watch things begin to unravel? Put a legalist in there. Put somebody in there that, um, that um, wants to make a bunch of rules and watch how it all begin to seep down and, and it'll, it won't be good. By the way, I need to say this and I've got to quit. One of the principles that kind of governs the, rule, the, the, this, the, the ruling elders is a principle that was articulated by Francis Schaeffer. Um, I love it, and I think they do too. We have trouble with it from time to time, but I think they love the principle, and I love the principle. And it's not original with me. It's Francis Schaeffer's. But he said this. In terms of church government, our goal is maximum freedom Minimum form. Maximum freedom. So that means we want to keep rules down to a minimum. <clears throat> One of the challenges is to, to manage a group of people in such a way that, that the scriptures are honored and that God is pleased and that we can be governed by a, a, a principle that says, we're not making unnecessary rules and laws around here. We're not going to do that. We're going to insist upon maximum freedom, <coughs> minimum form. I think it's time to quit. <clears throat> Lord, would you um, impress upon this congregation the importance of what they do next week, 
and that, that they might approach it prayerfully and soberly and that the Holy Spirit of God would lead them as they choose the men uh, to be put in a place um, from which the direction and leadership of this church comes. Guard our church, Lord, from putting the wrong men in responsible positions of leadership. And Lord, for the rest of us, would you teach us what it means to, our, to obey our leaders and to submit to them. We commit ourselves to that, Father, and do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys, and good night.